What is up, you wonderful, beautiful, fantastic people of the world? This is Ashley Campbell with Daily Encouragement. By the time you guys hear this episode, it is going to be January 17th, 2024. Oh my gosh, today I want to talk to you guys about shielding myself from vulnerability. Uh, This came up because right now I'm currently working on another book that I've been writing and uh, I'm sharing my life with people and, you know, basically the how I used to operate as a Christian ways I used to operate as a Christian that were burdensome to me, um, just ways of being as a person. And, uh, one of the aspects I'm talking about right now is some of the armor that I used to put on. And I was not aware of any of this stuff at all until I actually started going outside of myself and reading books. Okay. You guys books change lives. I'm telling you. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I read, I read only the Bible for probably the first 10 years of my Christian life. And that was probably some of the most burdensome times because the way that I interpreted the Bible was, uh, it was very burdening to me. And you guys, mankind is not always good about the way they interpret God's word. How do I know? Look at the Pharisees, right? Look at the teachers of the law. They, Jesus even said, you tie heavy loads and burns on people and you don't, you're not even willing to lift your finger. So what the point is, is sometimes man is not always good at communicating the heart of God. And I believe that God has given, you know, all the benefits through the body of Christ. If you are a human being and you know Jesus Christ and he's restored your life, he's going to give you a level of insight and understanding that will benefit the world, benefit you, benefit other people. And I really believe that um, God uses people outside of ourselves to help us. And so that's why I love reading books because I can learn their insights, their understanding. And, uh, you know, it's it's helped me tremendously. So one thing I want to share with you guys really quick today. I had no clue what vulnerability was. Um, I didn't even know that there was such thing as ways of like, I knew that I could be defensive, but I didn't understand why or what the dynamic was going on there. Um, I've heard words like shame and this or that, but it was just like, I had no language to be able to speak it or communicate it. I didn't know what it was. Um, And so there was a lot of sort of unconscious living that I was under and, uh, So anyway, I started reading this really fantastic book probably five or six years ago. I've read it probably twice. I would read it again because there's so much good stuff in here. So this is from, uh, this is Daring Greatly from Brene Brown. And in this book, she talks about what vulnerability is, what shame is, and then the armor. So one of the pieces of armor that she had mentioned, okay, was uh, foreboding joy, right? So vulnerability is being seen, right? Being authentic, putting yourself in a position to get hurt, right? Uh, one of the ways, I guess, I, I told you, I told you guys I was going to mention shame. She talks about shame and what it is. And she goes, how do you determine what shame you have in your life? And she says, who do you not want to be seen as, right? So once I started asking those kinds of questions, then I started realizing, okay, I don't want to be seen as this kind of person or whatever. And then it started shedding light on the areas of shame in my life through how I was behaving as a person. How did I not want to be seen, right? Because vulnerability is about being seen, showing up about who you are, what you've been through, being authentic, you know? And uh, I, I've always been a pretty open person, but I did definitely go through a season in my, in my life, especially as a Christian, where I was more worried about my Christian reputation than I was about you know, talking about my life, the things that Christ has brought me from, all this kind of stuff. Um, or even just the things that I enjoyed or even just the music I listened to. For example, you guys, when I was growing up, 
Uh, my parents listened to a lot of, you know, 70s and 80s rock, like Van Halen, ACDC, Def Leppard, Fleetwood Mac, um, you know, and so I grew up on that music. Well, even as a Christian, I would still jam on ACDC with my dad. But if you go into the church and talk about listening to that music, they say, oh, it's worldly, right? So then you're like, oh, crap. Well, you know, and, and, and for me, I've always wanted to connect with other Christians. I always wanted to be around other people who were following the Lord. But at the same time, if I was to sit there and say, hey, I listen to Matchbox 20 or Savage Garden, right? I like alternative music, too. I used to listen to a bunch of that. I still like listening to it. Um there was this they i mean they say they wouldn't judge you but it was like it was almost wrong right or uh what's another example um that was probably the biggest one right even just simple as that um so or you know even just talking about your life or what you've been through um some people can um how can you say this be careful how you talk about it or you're gonna make people stumble you know so many things i could say but anyway the point is is um, I was very shielded as a Christian and I really pretty much as a whole adult, I brought all these patterns with me into my life, into every area of my life. And so anyway, she talks about the vulnerability armor and one of the pieces that she mentioned, okay, let's, let's go back to this. She was saying that one of the core strategies for taking off the armor, there's three things you have to know that it says I'm enough. So worthiness versus shame. I've had enough boundaries versus one-upping a comparison and then showing up taking risks and letting myself be seen as enough engagement versus disengagement and that's what she talks about the definition of vulnerability is uh showing up taking risks letting yourself be seen and so anyway she broke that down first and now she gets into the uh the different shields and so number one and the one that i can most relate to even to this day you guys is foreboding joy so i'm going to just share some things in this book with you guys that have stuck out to me and maybe you, maybe you guys can relate to a degree. So she goes, I'd argue that joy is probably the most difficult emotion to really feel. Why? Because when we lose the ability or willingness to be vulnerable, joy becomes something we approach with deep foreboding. Um, this shift from our younger selves, greeting of joy with unalloyed delight happens slowly and outside of our awareness. We don't seem to even know that, that it's happening or why. We just know that we crave more joy, more, more joy in our lives, that we are joy starved. In a culture of deep scarcity or never feeling safe, certain and sure enough, joy can feel like a setup. We wake up in the morning and think, work is going well, everyone in the family is healthy, no major crises are happening, the house is still standing, I'm working out and feeling good. Oh shit, this is bad. This is really bad. Disaster must be lurking around the corner. Have you guys ever done that? You know, like things are going good and then uh, you hear something like if I hear somebody telling their stories about losing their husband or their children, oh man, I'm like, oh crap, I, I would die, you know? And I mean, I think that's a good thing, right? To have that empathy and feel what they feel. But I don't always embrace the good that I have in my life because of fear of losing it. And I don't know if I've shared with you before, um, you know, when I was growing up, she talks about how this foreboding is cultivated in our life. And it's basically all depends on what you heard when you were growing up. And when I was growing up, all I ever heard was, oh crap, how are we gonna pay these bills? What are we gonna do about this? It was like, hopefully I can say this word right. Catastrophizing everything, right? Shit was always gonna hit the fan. What are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna do about that? And so I took that 
mentality with me into my life as an adult. It's like, oh crap, what are we gonna do? So I'm a very good problem solver. I'm a very responsible person. You guys, do you know that your values come from the things that you lacked growing up? So I'm, I'm very much a person that values progress and I'm very responsible. That's a beautiful thing. However, I can become overly responsible, right? To the point where I have everything that I need, but I'm still like, oh crap, am I gonna have enough? Right? Like, what am I gonna do about this if this happens? Like, if I need money for this, where am I gonna get money for that? Like, I'm always in the future worry, right? That's anxiety. And I and after looking at this, it is a form of foreboding. Like, what are we gonna do about this? So, uh, okay, here's, some, here's a couple other examples that she used. Where we get promoted and our first thought is, too good to be true. What's the catch? Anybody ever still think like that, right? If it, what do they say? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And so we're always like, oh snap, wait a minute. Should I fully embrace this? Or should I just be like, maybe this is gonna pass, you know? Okay, we find out we're pregnant and we think our daughter is healthy and happy. So something really bad is going to happen with this baby. I just know it. Um, you guys, I've been pregnant seven times. I had my first baby when I was 16. Uh, it was pretty stressful for me when I had kids. Like I was excited, even when I was 16 to have a baby. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take care of this kid. I'm gonna do what I need to do, and I did. But the people around me, oh man, they're like, oh my God, what are you gonna do, Ashley? How are you gonna figure this out? So then I waited four years to have another kid, so I'm 20, and I'm still with the same dude that I was with as a teenager. I get pregnant again, and everyone's like, oh my God, you're having another one? I'm thinking, shit, like seriously? I mean, I had the baby at 16, we're still together, we actually got our first place one month before I graduated high school. So we're like feeling like hot shit. Like we got our crap together and we're thinking that, okay, everybody's going to approve of our decisions or they're going to be happy about this. No, they weren't. They're like, what are you guys going to do? We're having another one. Another one's only baby number two. Like I didn't know two kids was such a burden these days. And then we ended up having seven. But anyway, I digress. The point is, is uh, I let a lot of people steal my joy in my life about the things that I was legit excited about because I was so reliant upon the approval of other people because I didn't know how to validate myself. I didn't really, I didn't know how to trust myself. I didn't know how to have boundaries or anything like that. I let a lot of the joy that I did have get stolen from me because I just wanted people to be like, wow, you know what, we're, we're happy for you, Ashley, or whatever. Anyway, let me move on here, you guys. So, um, so she, she listed off some things when people feel most vulnerable, you know, like the good things that are happening in their life. And I can, I can relate to that. Um, I remember a couple things like, so when I was writing my book, the one that just released in January of this year, Nuggets of Truth Volume 1, um, I had realized that I was struggling to expect a return because growing up, all I ever heard was we're doing the best we can. And it still amounted to like barely anything, right? When you're still living on the state, when your parents have to break the lock off the water thing to have water, when you've got to hook the hose up to the neighbor's house so you can have water, when you're living off of food stamps, when you're relying on food banks, um, and then they say, we're doing the best we can, you think, shit, this is the best? Like, wow. So I didn't, I didn't really have this huge expectation, right? I work hard, I do my best, but my expectation has always been on the lower side. And I didn't realize that until I started asking God these questions. And you guys, I really encourage you. Um, no matter what you're going through in your life, start asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand the soil that shaped your life. It's gonna give you so much insight and understanding and peace. You're gonna stop judging yourself. And then once you stop judging yourself, you're not gonna let anyone else take that place. Because I'll tell you one thing, once you get it in your mind and you accept the fact 
that not one single human being knows everything about you, right? They only know what you tell them. You're like, wait a minute, how could they make judgments of me and be accurate if they don't have all the information? What judge would you trust to make decisions for you if they did not use all the information needed to make a conclusion? Why do you live off of conclusions from people who don't know you? I had to start reality checking myself with this stuff over the years, you guys. And this has been a 10 year process. This didn't just happen overnight. This is like 10 years uh, in the making of day by day reality checks for myself and putting things in perspective, you know, and getting free from being a freaking man pleaser. Cause I was like that for like my whole life, you guys, I'm telling you. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much from this conversation. I want to make sure that I go over these couple things with you guys. Okay. So she was just saying these stories illustrate how the concept of foreboding joy as a method of minimizing vulnerability is best understood as a continuum that runs from rehearsing tragedy to what I call perpetual disappointment. Some of us, like the woman in the first story, scramble to the bleakest worst case scenario when joy rears its vulnerable head, while others never even see joy, preferring to stay in an unmoving state of perpetual disappointment. What the perpetual disappointment folks describe is this. It's easier to live disappointed than it is to feel disappointed. It feels more vulnerable to dip in and out of disappointment than to just set up camp there. You sacrifice joy, but you suffer less pain. You guys ever been around people like that? Oh, I have. And to be quite honest with you, there's probably a lot more people like that even in the Christian community these days because um, we always, instead of actually expecting God to do good in our life or asking him to do good, you know what we always hear? This is what I always hear. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve that because we're just a bunch of lousy sinners. So then you're like, shit. Okay, what am I, what am I gonna expect? So you don't expect much. Um, I have heard that people have been taught not to ask God for things, right? You can't ask God for that selfish. Why are we sitting here micromanaging people's prayer life? Can you guys just stop, please? It's so annoying. Why don't you let people ask God from the throngs and the bottom of their own heart and let them experience God? I remember years ago, my pastor was in a very bad state of mind. He was extremely depressed, but he would never acknowledge it. Most people, most pastors these days have such huge expectations of themselves. Um, it's very rare that you see one just be real and vulnerable and say, dude, I really am struggling right now. Anyway, he was struggling very badly. I knew it. Most people knew it. And, uh, the way that he was thinking about God was like, there was just no hope anymore, you know? And I'm not going to get into what was going on with him at the time, but, um, uh, it was rough. I will say this, him and his wife were living out in travel trailers with no, I don't think they had any power. They lived off of generators. That's a whole nother story. And that, I mean, their marriage eventually fell apart. You guys always remember before something falls apart, there's always things going on in between time. Pay attention. You guys don't just let things fall apart. Like work, you know, be diligent. Ask God, Hey Lord, help me smell the smoke. Right. Is there things happening in my life right now that I need to take a step back on and reevaluate so I don't create results in my life that I'm not going to want. Right. You guys, we are so much more capable of producing good lives and what God wants to do things, you know, instead of just letting things happen. Right. Anyway. So I remember just being, thinking like, Lord, if I think like he does, I'm just going to want to like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do that. It was a burden to me, right? I, I, I couldn't take on the way that he was seeing God because it was stealing my joy 
And I remember going out into my travel trailer at the time and I was like, Lord, I can't do it. And this thought hit me and I knew it was the Lord. You guys know how the Lord's speaking to you. Pay attention to the thoughts that are in your head. He'll give you a, a new insight and aha moment. Like, oh, okay. It'll give you peace. It'll just like, it'll feel like shackles are falling off of you, right? That thought will come and you'll be like, wow, I never thought about it like that before. And that's been my experience with discerning the thoughts of God versus my own thoughts or other thoughts that cross my mind. You guys, not every thought is your own. Okay. And I mean, I'm sure most of you, if you have any type of self-awareness, you know that anyway. So, um, I remember this thought hit me and it was Ashley, you believe me for however you want and I will refine you. And that gave me so much freedom, you guys. So, you know, what? why don't you start taking full responsibility in your relationship with the Lord? Read his word. If he says, ask me for whatever you wish and will be given, I want you to start asking him for whatever you wish and let God mold you and shape you and stop letting other people do that for you. You guys, we take a lot of our own joy out sometimes by, um, I guess you could say almost like behaving like children as adults spiritually, right? What is the goal of having children? They're going to become adults. They're going to make their own decisions for their lives. The goal is for you as a parent to trust your kids to actually be able to do that. I don't believe a lot of pastors trust their people in the congregation to actually make good decisions. It's almost like this super micromanaging all the time, right? They're trying to like control their behavior. Cause as we know, as leaders, right? We are going to be responsible for how we bring people up. So it's almost better to keep them in a freaking bubble wrap than it is to be like, okay, you know what? Believing in people, having good assumptions about people, right? Assuming that people are going to make the best decision that they absolutely can make, not in assuming that they want to grow and they want to learn, right? And some people don't like to assume the best of people because it's vulnerable, right? Maybe you have assumed the best of people and you got burned, but that's another conversation. I'm hoping I can dig into some more of this on Friday, you guys. So be sure to go to my page, Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell, because uh, we're going to talk about some of this um, a little bit more as far as how does the mentality of I don't deserve this and that way how we talk to each other in the church. How is that really influencing the church? But we're not going to get into that right now. So where was I at, you guys? She was talking about, oh, people that stay in um, rehearsing tragedy or perpetual disappointment, right? People who are always just like, it's easier just to be disappointed. You guys, I don't want to live like that, but I, I definitely done it and I do it still. I catch myself. And so she goes, once we make the connection between vulnerability and joy, the answer is pretty straightforward. We're trying to beat vulnerability to the punch. We don't want to be blindsided by hurt. You guys, that is me, 100%. I grew up in poverty, right? I grew up in rat-infested houses, living in trailers, cold, lack of food, living with my mom in a van down by the river. I'm telling you, ladies, this ain't no freaking Saturday Night Live skit crap. This is straight up real life. This was my life for a season with my mother for about three months. Eastern Washington, living in a van down by the river with a red van. I'm really hoping I can find this picture. I have a picture that my grandmother had given me and me and my sister and my mom and my dad are standing there, my stepdad and the red van's right behind it. So I'm gonna snap a picture of it when I do find it, you guys. And you're gonna see this red van. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I went through so much difficult things. Like, I don't wanna go back through that. And I remember, oh, that was, I'll have to ask the Lord to remind me of another revelation he gave me about that in regards to my life. Um, just being afraid of um, uh, good things happening because I didn't want to feel the disappointment, you know, and the hurt and the pain that I have as a kid. And so it says, uh, yeah, we don't be, be blindsided, caught off guard. So we literally practice being devastated or never move from self-elected disappointment. <laughs> That's horrible, right? But it's, I can so relate to this. Um, 
for those of us who rehearse tragedy, there's a reason. And she talks about how all the junk that we see all the time, right? Because we're very visual people. So she talked about, you know, the stuff that we watch on TV, um, you know, doom and gloom, blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on, you guys. What about all the junk that they put on social media? Shit's in a fan. Stock up your food supply. The, you know, there's the World War III is kicking off. I mean, come on, insert here. COVID, blah, 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 blah. I mean, name one thing after another that we can sit here and it just wants to put fear into you, right? And you guys, I'm telling you, you gotta learn to live separate from that, you know? And that's why I talk about this stuff because there is ways to do it. So this is what she was saying. If you are a person like me who has struggled with vulnerability and you have learned ways to defend yourself from it through foreboding joy, putting on that armor, she talks about a way that we can take it off. All right, and uh, she was just saying, practicing gratitude, right? And uh, so I'm just gonna read some things to you guys really quick. She says, uh, even those of us who have learned to lean into joy and embrace our experiences are not immune to the uncomfortable quake of vulnerability that often accompanies joyful moments. We're, we've just learned how to use it as a reminder rather than a warning shot, right? I love the way she said that. A reminder. Okay, so if I'm feeling vulnerable, something good's happening, I'm like, oh crap. You know, if I start rehearsing, is this always gonna last? What is anything gonna happen? Is any the bad any bad gonna happen? It's like, wait a minute. All right, there's a reason why I behave like this. I can appreciate where I've came from, right? This is why you guys gotta know your story and why how your life has impacted you, because you're gonna learn how to give yourself compassion and grace in a way that you've never experienced, right? You're gonna actually know and understand. And then when you know and understand, you're gonna be able to give that to other people. You're not gonna be so judgmental, right? You're gonna be like, oh, that's why they do what they do. And then you're gonna appreciate people differently because every single person has been shaped by their environment in some type of way. And if we can learn to unpack our own stories, then we can give that to other people, give them space to unpack their life and understand. And uh, really that's, I think is gonna be a, a really great boost and humanity aspect and the leveling of one another, right? This one up and one down crap that she talked about, you know, that I think that'll help disappear because uh, we're going to understand the boundaries of our own limitations with our own lives, right? Those are the boundaries. You have your own life. I have mine. They're not going to be the same. They're going to look different, right? And so anyway, there's distinctions that are going to come with that. So anyway, uh, let me see. Hold on, you guys. Um, okay. What was the most surprising and life-changing difference for me was the nature of that reminder. For those welcoming the experience, the shudder of vulnerability that accompanies joy is an invitation to practice gratitude, to acknowledge how truly grateful we are for the person, the beauty, the connection, or simply the moment before us. Gratitude, therefore, emerged from the data as the antidote to foreboding joy. In fact, every participant who spoke about the ability to stay open to joy also talked about the importance of practicing gratitude. So you guys, that's what I do every single day. I am grateful for every little thing. I could be in the kitchen washing dishes. I thank God for hot water. I thank God that I got water to wash my dishes, soap to clean them, washer and dryer. I thank him for all the little things I have because you guys growing up, I didn't have all that at times. There was times we didn't have a washer and dryer. There was times we didn't have soap. There was times I remember bathing in the dang river as a kid, you know? And so I am super grateful, you know, just where I'm at in my life right now, all the things that God has brought me through. I think about that every single day and I remind myself of how he's provided for me. And, uh, and if you're not in that place yet, then maybe you need to get there. Maybe you guys, like I said, sometimes the Christian community 
hinders other people from going to God with all their hearts because they don't want to do it wrong. You're not going to do it wrong. God knows he's in control. Like give God his place. We don't need to be like little micro gods, Nazis, cops in people's spiritual life, right? Isn't that annoying? Don't you want to be treated as an adult? Well, I, I had just had this thought in my head. Well, if you would act like an adult, you guys ever hear adults, other, other people say that? If you would act like an adult, you would get treated like an adult. Good freaking grief. No wonder we got a bunch of grown ass children walking around because the way we see each other is still like a child. You don't know. I got to tell you, I got to teach you, right? Especially with people you don't know. It's the worst. You don't know them. Give them space. Let them prove themselves, right? Have healthy assumptions about people, right? Okay. And if you, if you, if you struggle with having assumptions about people, let's just walk in the reality of you don't know them. How can you make a conclusion of somebody you don't know, right? Social media, you don't know those people on there. You guys, I supposedly have 800 friends on my page. I only know like maybe 50 in person, if that. So I've got 80% of the people on my page, never met them in my life, okay? So I have to constantly keep that in mind as I'm dealing with people. Like, I don't know, right? And so anyway, I just wanted to share this with you guys today because uh, it was a good reminder for me um, as far as like understanding where I've come from, uh, you know, as a human, being able to share these experiences with you guys, I'm still practicing it. I still can put on foreboding as a piece of armor. Now, like she said, and now it's just a reminder, not a warning shot, right? It's like, okay, if I'm going through a joyful moment and I'm feeling like, wow, this is great. And then my mind wants to be like, oh crap, what's going to happen? It's like, okay, Ashley, this is a great time to be grateful for the moment that I have. And why do you think Jesus told us to live in the moment, right? He said enough, there's enough trouble for today right? You guys, when you grow up in poverty, you're always thinking ahead because you're like, shit, I don't want to go through that again. It's straight up. I'm sure there's people that can relate to that. You know, I know not everybody went through that. And I, I, I respect and appreciate that. You know, um, I can just only speak from my own experiences in life. And I hope that anything that I talk about, you guys can resonate with it. That's why I talk about it. And I hope it's helpful because that's the whole goal of me showing up on here. Not just to sit here and talk about my life and what I've been through. Oh my gosh, woe is me. Look at me. But wow. Okay. This is her story. How does her story connect with my story? Is there anything in her story that I can use or like I could put into practice? Because that's how, that's what I do when I'm talking to people, you know, um, and that's how solutions come to us, right? God has given us people and you know, when they talk about their life and where they've been and the strategies and the tools they've used, we can, we can glean from that. I mean, I thank God for people who write books and talk about the things that they've uncovered. It has helped me greatly. And so anyway, I'm going to get off here. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. Be sure to check out the rest of the podcast. You guys, I released, I think it was last week. No. Okay. I got to remember this podcast is weeks ahead. So it was in January, no December. <laughs> December 4th through the 7th, there was a podcast that released every day. And then there's over 350 episodes on it. You guys, my goal right now is to get at least a thousand people to listen to it on Spotify. And then they, they offered me like uh, paid ads or whatever. I'm at 47 out of a thousand. So if you guys can help me with that, supposedly there's almost 10,000 followers on my Facebook page, Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. So I'm like hoping that you guys will help me out on there too. Um, but we'll see how it goes, right? All, all growth is in God's hands. And I constantly have to remind myself of that too. Everything has a season and appointed time. So anyway, I hope you ladies and everyone listening to this has a wonderful rest of the day. Um, I'm going to get off here. Just, you know, share your thoughts and uh, I will talk to you next time.